Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to week two of After Hours, a show podcast presented by Afternoon Analytics. I'm Austin. I'm joined by the Ryans today. We are so excited to just jump right into the show today with our blazing start. And Ryan was telling me, Ryan Hayne, that is, was telling me pre-show that he really liked it. So I'll let you start, Ryan. Okay. Um, so I get a little NBA Finals hot take. Uh, Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, he's probably the best non-center player I've seen who cannot handle a basketball. So when y'all are watching the finals this week, take out take a take a look at that because it just blows my mind sometimes how he's like probably the second best player on an NBA finals team and he can't dribble. Is that, you don't think that's a little harsh? You just think he, you just no handles can't dribble. I mean, he can't like he, he just can't. Okay. But he's like still like effective though. It's kind of interesting to watch, but, but, but he's too smart for basketball. Remember if any of you have ever played in 2k 22 or 21, Anytime he plays the Celtics, the commentators go, now Jalen Brown almost wasn't drafted because he was voted as too smart for basketball <laughs> by David Aldridge. As, as, like, I'm just going to um, impersonate someone from Boston saying that. He's too smart for basketball. Uh, <laughs> clearly it works. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a, That's an interesting take for sure. I guess we'll. I, it's a good one though because we'll get to watch the finals and see if he can handle the ball or not in the NBA yeah, finals. I agree. Harden, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go. I'll give mine. So, um, uh, this one is about soccer. Uh, I was watching the Atlanta United game. I was at the game uh, last week. Oh, I was also at that game. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, <laughs> So I was at the game. Atlanta United is losing 2-0 in stoppage time, which is a whole different rant I could go on. But they score a great goal to go uh, make it 2-1. to one. And this is, happens all the time in soccer. A team scores. They're losing. They like There's times running out in the game. So they want to go get the ball out of the goal, run it back to half field, put it down so like the game can start as quick as possible because it's a running clock. But the team that gave up the goal will run to the goal. Usually a defender or the goalie will just grab the ball and just hold it. And the player's got to like like wrestle it away from them. And it usually ends with like stupid little shoving matches and like a yellow card or two. And it's just dumb to me. And so my hot take is that it should be a rule in soccer that after a goal, the only person that can touch the ball is the ref. They have to touch the ball and bring it to half field. And if a player touches the ball after a goal, it's a red card. You get a red card, which is very harsh. But I felt like saying a yellow card wasn't enough of a hot take. So I'm saying it's a, it should be a red card because that would just get rid of it. Like if you're going to get a red card for touching the ball, no one's going to touch the ball. And we're going to get rid of all these little shenanigans. And so that's like because I hate that. It's one of my least favorite things in all of sports is people just grabbing the ball. It's like you gave up a goal like – Grow up, get over yourself. Like I know it's strategy to not let them restart, but just it's dumb. So red card, you touch the ball. I'll be honest. 
I read that in like the pre-show notes. I was like, yeah, red card for touching the ball after a goal. Like it's one of my favorite celebrations, like when they rock the baby. Hearing you say the defense or like the team that just gave up the goal touches it makes that take make a whole lot more sense. Yeah. And I, uh, I'll be honest, I, I agree with that. I think the stupidest thing in the NFL is when like you have someone get tackled and they just lay on the ground. Oh, I like, hate that too. Like, like they lay on top of them and I'm like, why? Yeah, give that a red card also. I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally just a delay of game. Yeah. You know? It's so dumb. If you're going to call it for kicking the football. And you know, like if they were to do that, you just know that one player is going to accidentally touch the ball and then they're going to get red carded and it's just going to be a whole, like Twitter's just going to melt. Yeah, it's it's definitely a terrible idea, but like do it. You should do it. The like idea behind it is right. Like I agree with you. The problem in soccer is, is like you can only get a yellow card or a red card, and a red card is like very harsh. And a yellow card, like players will take a yellow card. Yeah. So maybe start with it being a yellow card, but then if then if it's still a problem, you gotta just make it a red card. Speaking, this is actually a great transition of things that were at one point good that are now bad and potentially get worse. Let's talk about my hot take. Which is, if you follow Formula One, this weekend was the Monaco Grand Prix, and it was, uh, in polite terms, a disaster. Uh, we didn't start the race until like 45 minutes after. We didn't actually finish the race on laps. We finished it because the clock ran out. Um, it was sort of a disaster, and so a lot of people have been calling for the Monaco GP to be removed from the calendar. My hot take, and until about five hours ago it was actually the opposite i don't think they should remove the monaco gp from the calendar i don't think they should do it purely because i think that the sport of formula one has three main aspects the driver the car and the strategy and i think in monaco strategy trumps all of them and i think that like if they get some races you can have a really good car not only a good driver, but a crappy strategy and lose. And I think Monaco is like the ultimate challenge of if you have a good driver who can be super technical, if you have a good car to get on pole or second early, and then you have to have a good strategy not to screw up during the race like we saw with Charles Leclerc where his team pitted him early and they ended up double stacking and he fell out of the position that he was in. So I think Monaco is the ultimate test of all three, but there really is no margin for error in it. Okay. I'm going to attack your hot take on a few different points here. Let's do it. So Monaco is cool. It's a cool race because it's a street race. So it's like really tight. It's like literally on the street. Like I knew people who were like at the race and they, they were like talking about how cool it was. Cause like, you're just in Monaco and then it's just like formula one race on the street. It's very cool, mm-hmm. but like it's on the street and it's tight. So like, there's very little passing, which is like, that's racing. Like I don't want to watch laps of just cars in a line and there's just no passing. And yet the strategy point is like Ferrari lost that race. Cause they had a terrible strategy. Like Leclerc got screwed because they made an extra pit where they didn't need to. Uh, so that was dumb. But the, the, like so i would lean towards like monaco should maybe be off the calendar just in entertainment wise 
But I'm going to attack your hot take from another point, which is I'm going to really come at it and say that it's not, I don't even think it's a hot take. Like, I think like a hot take would be when, if you said it should be off the calendar, but I feel like it's me being like, you know what? The masters, they should, they should keep that on the calendar every year. Oh my gosh. Like the hot take would be if I said, get rid of the masters. So you're like, you're like sitting there like this is, you know, they should keep doing what they're doing. (laughs) so that's that may just be me but i didn't think you were hot i didn't think the take was hot enough this week i expected if you i don't know if you were on formula one twitter but i was good lord it was a bloodbath this weekend that's true the fans hate it the the fans hate it which in a sport where money is king, you would think that would be the ultimate, like, we get that thing off the track. Yeah, but Formula One historically doesn't really care about, like, the like they care about, like, the old people that watch racing. They don't care about, like, the young fans on Twitter. 100%. I just expected more because, like, last week your hot take was, like, point system in American sports, which is, like, so out there. And that was fantastic. But now you're just like, yeah, keep racing in Monaco. So, I don't know. That's just... <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not trying to, you know, shoot you down. Right. I just I expect well, more nothing. Nice, nice week. Help bring the heat, don't you? There we worry? go. There we go. Right. Well, we'll move on to the uh, to the high five, right? Yes, we're gonna go with the high five. Uh, five big questions for the week. Uh, we're gonna start with the first question, which I will open with my answer, and then you, you guys can take it. So this past weekend was the Champions League final. So our first question is just, you know, what were your thoughts on the Champions League final? Have anything you want to say about it? So I'm going to start and say that, first of all, it was... Okay, actually, first of all, UEFA is a joke. It was a terrible mismanagement by UEFA. The game started, like, over 30 minutes late because they couldn't get fans in the stadium and they were blaming it on the fans and it was dangerous situations for fans. It was really bad. But then once the game did start... It was a fantastic game. It was, you know, highly entertaining. A lot of people look at like a one nothing game and like, eh, well, that's kind of boring. But it was a very entertaining one nil game. Liverpool had like twenty something shots. Courtois for Real had to make some world class saves. Real had their chances too. Um, so I thought it was it was great in terms of like the product on the field. Uh, a lot of the discourse around the game before was that Liverpool would like dominate the game and win. And then afterwards, it was that, oh, Liverpool dominated, but they lost. It was like a Real got away with it. I don't really think that's the case. Uh, You can always go on the website and read my article if you want to hear more of my thoughts. Uh, I did an analysis of how Real won the game, why they won the game. And I think that uh, Liverpool at first was like pressing. I mean, Liverpool presses. That's, That's their thing. They're very calculated and good with their press. And they were catching Madrid out in the first half. Uh, but Real made a great shift in their midfield, dropping deeper. It helped them beat Liverpool's press. I thought that like they did a great job of like rotating their defenders to cover Liverpool, Liverpool's uh, attacks on the wing. I thought uh, Fede Valverde and Danny Carvajal had fantastic games, and I think that Real just like was content. It looked like Liverpool dominated at some points, and at some points they did. But like Real was content to let Liverpool do their thing. They didn't think they were going to beat them. And they didn't. And uh, I just thought that Real executed their game plan brilliantly and they just fully deserved their win. And those are my thoughts. When when, when I I read Ryan's article for the website and I was like, holy crap, Liverpool, like on the stat sheet, if you look at just the stats and don't look at 
at the one the one nil final, it looks like Liverpool should have killed Real Madrid. As they as he said, they had like twenty six shots that just dominated them. Um, and Real's expected goals in the game were below one. So like mathematically Real should not have had a goal, but they did. And I think that that really illustrates one of my favorite things about soccer is that like it only takes one goal if your goalie is playing super well, or it only takes like one instance for the game to completely change and like the entire momentum and flow of the game to be different. Um, and doing my own research, like Ryan, you can back me up on this. Real was in serious jeopardy of not even making this game in the semifinals against Man City. Yes. Where Real was in jeopardy in every single game. Like they were losing to PSG at the end of the second leg. They were losing to Chelsea at the end of the second leg, and they were losing to Man City at the end. Like they, this was like Real Madrid. I, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. But like, no, you're good. Keep Real going. Madrid is like historically the best club in the world and they are super talented right now. So calling this improbable is kind of wrong, but the comebacks they had to do, like this is one of the most improbable champions league wins for me, just be, just the way they did it. And they were playing arguably like four of the five best teams in the world. And it was just, it's great. It was crazy. It was, they were nonstop entertainment the whole time. I, I encourage you to go look up the end of that, Man City game, but they were and they, Ryan's article. Yeah, and Ryan's article. Um, Real Madrid came into that game down four three on goals, so Man City was up one, and then um, the Man City was scored again, and so they were down. They were down five three with five minutes to play, and scored two goals in stoppage time to make it 5-5 to force overtime, and then scored a goal in extra time because they were tied 5-5 to win 6-5. So they were like five minutes away from being eliminated by two goals and instead win the whole thing and add another trophy to the trophy case. And that's just one of the great things about soccer for me. You look at that game, Courtois was just standing on his head back there in goal. Uh, and like, it's without him, Real doesn't win that game. Yeah. And you can say you can say that a lot, like you can say like, oh well, without the guys who scored the goal, I didn't win the game. And like, you could, but that's stupid. Like nobody could do what Courtois did on that Real roster for them in that game. Other people could have scored, but nobody can make up for what Courtois contributed. And I think that's one of the beauties of soccer is that. Sometimes guys just have that game where they take over and dominate. Uh, I I didn't get a chance to watch it. I watched the highlights, but it was very fun to watch. Yeah, I was- also didn't watch it live, but I have a much dumber uh, <laughs> like, thoughts from this game. Go for it. Just when I don't have a vested interest in a sport or game, I. I, like the hater in me just rises. And by that, I mean not of the sport or like this stupid. It's like whoever Twitter's making fun of, I will hop on that train so fast. So who and I just remember, I, rem- I remember what, like when the um, they came back against Man City, like Madrid did. That, like, that is like probably. 
a top five sports night on Twitter, and it's like not even a game that I watched. Like it was just insane. Like it because I I remember I was like just I looked at ESPN and it's just people were just saying, "Holy crap, Madrid!" Blah blah blah. And I go to look at ESPN, and then it's like tied, and then it's you know there was just like. And then, I, like two minutes later, it was like all caps. Holy crap, Madrid! And then, I, and then they won. Yeah. So, yeah. And then also another point. When I was at that Atlanta United game, I saw, I don't know, like three, four people in Liverpool jerseys, and I, I loved it. I just, I, it's not only are you not wearing the team's stuff to a game. You're wearing a team that just lost. Like it's tough. I will say that it's one of the toughest things as a sports fan is where you wear your team's jersey out and then they lose the game and you've got to wear it the rest of the day. Brutal. Especially when it's a big game like that. Yeah, Brutal. and it was like not just one guy. It was like four yeah. people. Yeah. Brutal. So that's uh, my analysis. That's very uh, expert. Very expert analysis of the game. Thank you. Um, I actually have more. Like I have, I have one in my statter cap. Oh, oh. great. Little sneak peek. I do like the hater perspective though. I love it. Especially when it's against Man City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. They don't have fans. They make a joke, right? No, yeah, they, they don't. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our hockey question. Austin, I'm going to start with you since you're our main hockey guy. Great. Uh, who do you think is the greatest player in the NHL of the 2010s? So I'll be honest. I came up with this question. I wrote this answer and it hurt me to write it, but. Uh, I would like to give a shout out quick to Michael Pinchotti for this one. The greatest NHL player of the 2010s is Sidney Crosby. And you can make a case for Ovechkin, but when you look at the all-around production and leadership and just excellence that Crosby has demonstrated over those 10 years from 2009-10 to 18-19, nobody's better. He's the sixth highest plus minus, but he's like, the second fewest in games played. So when he's on the ice, he makes a huge difference. He went back-to-back Stanley Cups, I believe it was 15-16. He's got the most points in the time span by a lot. Um, And it only trails Connor McDavid in points per game. And McDavid has played significantly fewer points or fewer games because he's younger. So when you look at it, like... Crosby played for longer, so you'll see that point drop, and he's only six hundredths of a point a game off of McDavid with 400 more games, and is ahead of like the next guy who's relatively close in games played by about, I don't know, I want to say like two or three tenths, which is a ton. So for me, just the leadership, the excellence, the dominance in the Pittsburgh franchise for Sidney Crosby to have someone like Evgeny Malkin on the second center line who would be like a starting center on any other team and be the second guy, Crosby's best player in the 2010s, no doubt. Um, I I kind of agree. Like I think I think he probably is the best player of the twenty tens, but I'm just gonna bring I'm gonna bring two people up that I think are definitely in this conversation. Um I think Alex Ovechkin, like I know you mentioned him, but he's just a guy where like when he go when he like crosses 
with the puck and like is approaching the goal. Like there are, I think he's probably the most feared person when he's about to take a shot. Like, like Crosby, like he, I mean, he's probably the better player, but just, um, like, I just think Ovechkin is probably the, well, he's definitely the better goal scorer. I mean, yeah. I think that's pretty clear. Um, yeah. And then another guy who, um, I, th- I think I wrote it down. Yeah. Patrick Kane, he's the highest scoring player of the past 10 years. And I mean, obviously that there's a lot of factors to that. Um, but he also won three Stanley cups, which I mean, he was the best player on those teams. I mean, you can make an argument for Jonathan Taves, but I think it's Patrick Kane. Uh, and I mean, that's the most of the decade. So I know that's kind of just an old man argument, but just got to bring those names in there. But I, I mean, I think, I think, um, Sidney Crosby's torch has probably been passed to McDavid now. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's just the whole package, and that's that's kind of what Sidney Crosby is. If I had to put him, if I had to say one thing about him, it would just be he's the whole package. Agreed. Fair enough. Um, I'll say I also was going to say uh, Ovi. Um, I, I'll say that my my favorite, like out of the guys, like kind of in the discussion is Connor McDavid, but he's not really because he's younger, so he doesn't have the longevity. Um, so I'll go Ovi, and since you you said a lot of it, so like I'm just gonna bring some stats that I that I had to back myself up. Um, but really, it's just one stat, and that he's <laughs> he's the top goal scorer of the decade, and the gap between him and Steven Stamkos, who's second, is the same as the gap between Stamkos and 15. Like mm-hmm. that's crazy. That is crazy. So, like, that, I mean, six gold titles, first ever uh, cup in the Capitals franchise history. He won the Smythe when they won the cup. And he definitely won after the cup, too. Huh? He oh. won after the cup, the celebration. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, for me, I mean, uh, for me, it was, like, I'm not the biggest hockey guy, but when I saw that you wrote this question, he was the first player that popped in my head. And so I, that's why I go with it, because when I think, like, as a casual fan, I think of him, like obviously Crosby too. And I think I agree with you, Ryan. Crosby's the best, but I'm going to say that Ovi's the greatest because I just feel like he's got, yeah. he's got something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know Crosby won back to back cups, but like to win the first cup in the Capitals history, like that's legendary stuff. So I'm giving I, it to Ovi. I, I, I literally, I wrote down on my point number three, I have. Crosby's stat line of points, goals, assists, and games played. And then right below it, I have uses for rebuttal Ovechkin's stat line. So I had a feeling that was coming. I think Ovi's a great player. I'll, I'll stand by that. He's got 100 more goals than Crosby, but Crosby has a couple more assists. And by a couple, I mean 200. So. Wow. Hey, Obi, 1.04 points per game. It's nothing to stop. Yeah, nothing to stop at. Yeah, the NHL's got those, like, uh, Mickey Mouse, like, pass to pass Mickey Mouse says, cut that crap. They do. You get your goals, you get your it's- red apples, you get your green apples. Miss me with that. Okay. All right. Well, that was 
I, I think we made some compelling cases for a few players. Uh, let's move on to a baseball question. Uh, with the recent rumored expansion of the NBA to 32 teams, with talk of them potentially adding a team in Seattle and Las Vegas, should the MLB also consider expansion in the near future? And we picked MLB because uh, the NBA and the MLB are both the two leagues that are still at 30 teams. So NBA going to 32 potentially, should the MLB do the same thing? Um, I can start, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think I think they will. I mean, it's just how it works, you know. Um, but I think the more interesting question is where they go because um, there's a lot of talk with the a like Oakland A's. Their stadium is awful. And their city council is equally as awful, so they don't want a new stadium. Um, so I really think they're probably going to end up moving to Vegas. It makes the most sense. Um, I mean, the Raiders just did it, and obviously it's different ownership and everything. But I think Vegas is on is next on the list, regardless of uh, like if it's an expansion or the A's move. Um, and another little tidbit is that the, um, the A's triple A team is already in Vegas. Um, which also another side note, they're, they're the, uh, Las Vegas aviators and they are, they have the best logo in the minor leagues. That's another hot take. That's a hot take. Cause there's some good yeah. logos in the minor leagues. It is. It's just the cleanest one. It's, it's really cool. Anyway. Um, I think, uh, this, I think the, okay. So I've seen like some, um, like I've read about some like movements, some rumblings of like an ownership group working on Nashville, um, because there's kind of a gap in the South compared to other leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just, and, the I mean, really like, and that's the difficult I, I, part I, I, is because I, I, the Braves, like they kind of fill that void. Yeah. Um, really well. Like, I think they're easily like a top five team in like popularity. Um, and I think Nashville's an option. Charlotte's an option. New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Every city I had here, they're saying. Well, you can like talk about specifics, like which one's better. I think Nashville's, I think it's going to, if they expand and the A's don't move, I think my two picks would be Nashville and Vegas. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I think as someone who is from Tampa, has been a Rays fan, and has dealt with the Rays growing up. Oh, crap. I didn't even think about that. Montreal. (laughs) Ryan, stop. Sorry. (laughs) Has has dealt with the Rays going to Montreal for the past three years of my life. Um, Which also is the stupidest thing. The the half and a half. It's not the stupidest thing that they're going to move. It's the stupidest thing, the splitting time. Like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Um, like you can't have a team that oh, – sorry, I'm keeping yeah. – well, Just to clarify, what you're saying is stupid is the proposal that the Rays – the Rays. Uh, there's been talks about the Rays playing half their home games in Tampa and half in Montreal. Yes. The dumbest idea of all time. Yes. Personally. Um, I think sort of makes a compelling case that – like if the if the MLB if MLB is going to expand, there needs to also be a focus on like 
how do we save the current franchises or what are we going to do with them? Because for the NHL, there wasn't really a dying franchise. Like you can make a case for the Coyotes dying, but the demand in Seattle and Vegas was so high that they got away with it. The demand for baseball in some cities or like maybe to get out of Oakland, like, I don't know if that makes up for it for the lack of Oakland being down and um, Tampa being down. And I think just another thing about it is like I won't I won't mention any cities in specific because I'll leave that to you, Ryan. But I think baseball is one of those weird markets where like you, Milwaukee has one of the greatest attendance rates in baseball, but. If you look at the expansion list right now, the cities that would be hot for expansion, Milwaukee's probably not up there. And so baseball is just one of those interesting situations of like, what do you do with it? Because what may seem right over here isn't over here. So, Ryan? Uh, Fair enough. I think, um, I said yes. Like, I think some like, Base, like baseball obviously has not expanded in a while like uh, since like the 90s and I think that some like purists like baseball has purists that will just not like the idea of expanding but I think money wise the MLB will do it and just I think they should like I think 32 teams is a good number um, and I think that there's there is demand in markets for a team like as a Braves fan I like the idea of like Braves country like the whole South United behind the Braves. But like also like like you mentioned Nashville and Charlotte, those were two cities I was thinking of that I feel like those regions deserve to have their own team and they shouldn't have to drive like four to five hours if they want to see their team play. So I think Nashville and Charlotte are both big markets. I was thinking about Montreal. The Expos obviously used to be there. I think Montreal deserves another shot at a team. And then one city, the other city I had hasn't been mentioned, but I think would be a fantastic baseball market is Portland. Yes, I think Portland would be would like they they get like they get behind their teams in Portland and like mm-hmm. like obviously the Trailblazers. But what I think of is like the Portland Timbers in MLS. Like they they have one of the best fan bases in MLS, mm-hmm. and like, like unfortunately, a lot of MLS teams don't have like good crowds at their games, but. Portland is always electric. It, their stadium is incredible. It's filled up. The fans are like rowdy. They're passionate, and I could totally see like the city of Portland really getting behind a baseball team. I won't say that Portland was on my list of cities, but I chose not to say because I thought it was on yours. So you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. the The one note I want to add about this also is it's the same issue. The NHL the NHL faced and MLB will face should they go to 32 is they're both set up with three divisions per conference. Right. And so you're going to have some conference realignment. That's sort of expected. The NHL did that. It's the division realignment that gets really funky where mm-hmm. do you Well, they actually the just done that. Like they, um, I think it was 2013, 14. Maybe earlier, but they ju- they did it where um, because the Astros are like in the American League now. They used to be in the National League, um, so I think it's definitely weird because again, like you were saying, with the three divisions, obviously, like thirty two doesn't 
do doesn't work. Um, but I, I don't know point because like, and like in the NBA, for example, like who, no one cares about divisions, but the MLB like divisions are big because you play your division mm-hmm. opponents like a lot each year, and they're they're like they're rivalries. Like so, Braves fans like I don't like the Nationals, I don't like the Marlins, I hate the Mets, uh, I I uh, hate the Phillies, like. And like I look forward to playing those teams and like those rivalries. So like when divisions get shifted around, that that would create issues. You're definitely right about that. Yeah. So but again, money talks, and yep. I think it. It'll but happen. yeah, no, I, I think it's going to happen. But I think relocation is definitely going to happen before expansion. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I like that. Too. I agree. I would say in that. I can't wait to see us not play the Mets anymore because they're forcing a Atlanta versus Charlotte rivalry on us. all right let's move on to our fourth question of the high five uh tonight is the first game of the nba finals boston celtics versus golden state warriors and the question is simply how do you see these finals playing out and i'll go first and give my quick take on it uh i picked back when it was the conference finals i picked boston and six over the warriors i'm gonna stick with that boston and six these are two like teams that when you think of the Warriors, you think of their offense. Obviously, like it's incredible. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Splash Brothers. It's great. But these are two teams that like are defensively elite and very, very good. So for me, when it came down to like how is this uh, series going to play out, I was thinking which defense is better equipped to stop the other team's offense. And like honestly, I think that the Celtics' defense is better than the Warriors' offense, and the Warriors' defense is better than the Celtics' offense. Because the Celtics... Like, both teams have offensive superstars. The Warriors' offense is definitely better than the Celtics' offense. But I think that the Celtics' defense and the way, like, they they can switch and, like, Marcus Smart, I don't think he deserved Defensive Player of the Year, but he's a very good defender. So I think that the Celtics' defense... Like, I'm giving them the edge. Like, I'm a little wary about it because... Golden State just can just go crazy, but I'm giving the edge to the Celtics defense. And I think that their ability to like switch on the perimeter and place like Robert Williams will be a liability with that, but like going small ball with Al Horford, I think can be a successful lineup against the Warriors small ball lineup, like like successful in terms of other teams like get crushed by it. But I think Boston can at least hold their own. So I'm going Boston. I think they have the edge defensively. Um, I, when like kind of looking at stuff, um, just like how I think the series is going to go, everything in like history, like the recent history kind of points to Boston. I feel like just like how the defense has played recently against the Warriors, like the Celtics defense. And honestly, they've kind of just shut them down for the most part. And obviously that's regular season. Playoffs are different. Um, mm-hmm. Which, well, I'm on, I honestly am just going to pick the Warriors. Like I know I just said the Celtics, whatever, but I just have gotten this feeling like everything tells me to pick the Celtics. Like all the numbers, all the like – like the Celtics have definitely had the tougher road, like by far, than the Warriors, because um, the Celtics have 
it's play the Nets, the the Bucks, and the Heat. Heat, who I mean, any of those teams could be. I mean, other than maybe the Nets, could be in this finals right now, and you wouldn't question it. But the Warriors, like, Heat were there. I just like, I don't know. I just, I, they just got the, they just got it. I don't know. I, I hate. I know that's not really afternoon analytics of me, but like, no, that's fair. Like, that's- I think, I think Steph is, um, I think he wants and will win the Finals MVP because he hasn't won one yet, and like. I don't know. I just I think that offense, like Clay, is starting to get his feet under him. Like he's kind of showing that he can like take over a game. Like I'm not saying he's prime Clay, but they're back. Like they're they're here. These are the Warriors. Okay. Okay. There was I. I'll respond to that. I think you might take. I think it was Kendrick Perkins, who when Toronto and Philly were playing. Said that every every team who wins a series, you have to win four games. Two games you win by your superstar. The third game you win by your secondary star, and the fourth game you win by someone else doing something great. Like you look at Tyrese Maxey, like behind Tyrese Maxey, and then Embiid and Harden being the other three. When I look at the Warriors. I think Curry has the potential to have a great game. Thompson has the potential to have a great game. Poole has the potential to have a great game. And you could argue Wiggins for the Celtics. Tatum and Brown, I think, both have that superstar potential. But I don't know who that third guy is. Because as great as Marcus Smart is defensively, I don't think he has that takeover offensively. And I don't think they have that other guy. So my play out, is Warriors and Six. But what I loved most about this question and doing my research on this is ESPN's BPI has Boston at 86% chance to win the sucker, and 538 has Boston at 80% chance to win the finals. But the betting lines are 60-40 Golden State, and like almost every expert is picking Golden State, but all the computer metrics point the other way. Yeah, it didn't have the numbers, but that's basically my point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, there'll be a there'll be a link in the description for this segment because it's a great article that I read during my research from Five Thirty Eight where they talk about it, where they all acknowledge the metrics for it, but for some reason all feel gut led to pick the Warriors, um, and that's. That's that's where I'm gonna pick. I think it'll be a great series. I'm not normally a big NBA fan, but I'm really excited to watch this one. And I have the Warriors in six. Uh, oh, I didn't pick a number. Um, I only think I'm gonna go Warriors in seven. And just like a quick little thing of how I think the series is gonna go, I just kind of have a feeling it's gonna go like the. Obviously, it's it's more of the defense that's the thing here, but. The like Rockets Warriors series, like I think it was, I don't know if it was, was it Western Conference Finals? I don't think it was. Yeah, when the it Rockets was the one where like three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like the Rockets had it, like they had them. 
mm-hmm. they had the Warriors down with Durant. And I think it's really going to – I feel like it's going to start fast for Boston – but I just think the Warriors are just going to figure it out. Like, they always do. Draymond is the smartest player in the league. Like, they've done this before. And they have, like, young blood with them. Like, that's kind of just why I think they're going to win. Like, I just I just think they're going to figure Boston out. Mm-hmm. I want to I say a few things before we move on. One, Draymond's the smartest player in the league. Didn't we just talk about how Jalen Brown was almost too smart for the league? <laughs> Second of all... Uh, I want to talk about you brought. I like that the four games that you did. So I'm going to do that for Boston. Two Tatum. Third is Jalen Brown. Two games for Tatum. Third games for Jalen Brown, even though he can't dribble. And the fourth game is the Grant Williams game. Like you're overlooking the Grant Williams game that's going to happen. That's going to win them the series. But in seriousness, I wanted to like you brought up Andrew Wiggins. I meant to bring him up. I think he is like the X factor for this series. If he can be as good defensively as he was against the Mavericks, I think that that really boosts the Warriors' chances. And so, like, obviously, this is a series where it's like Steph, Tatum, Clay. But like, if you, I feel like Andrew Wiggins is like almost a piece that the series teeters on. How is Andrew Wiggins going to play? And he's been really good. So, yeah, I I think I think it's also a weird case for Wiggins where it's not like he needs to play exceptionally well. He just needs to not play terribly. Yeah, I think he does need to play, and he has been playing exceptionally well in like his role. Yeah, his role just isn't huge, but his him executing his role at a high level is what has made this Warriors team go. Yeah, to a certain degree, because I think that's yeah, I think that's true on offense, but on defense, I think he does like need to be actually really good, which is what he is. So yeah. And that's the honestly the frustrating. I know this is kind of off topic, but it's kind of the frustrating thing with Wiggins, like over his career, it's just like he's he should be like all defensive type of guy. And up until he got to the Warriors, he wasn't like he was a bad defender. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like silly. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, because like the Warriors are like a top tier franchise, but. I mean, the Warriors have just had to like unlock this within him, like, mm-hmm. like his physical tools, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, actually, before we move on, I will say I looked up the Las Vegas Avi- Aviators logo. It's very good. I, I can't really argue with it. Is. Um, let's move on to our fifth. It's not really a question; it's more of an activity. We're going to try to do this pretty quickly, and then we move on to our next segment. We're going to do a draft of the all-NBA teams. We're, I'm going to do a quick random order generator. We're going to draft uh, three, each going to draft a team from the, the first, second, and third all-NBA teams. We'll put those up on the socials, and y'all can vote for who has the best team. All right, so... All right, Ryan, you have... Oh, we're going to do snake draft style. So Ryan, you have the first pick, then Austin, then me. So round one, Ryan, who are you taking? Um, this is a really easy pick for me. I'm gonna go Giannis. This is not a if I'm starting a team, I want Giannis. Uh, I'm going Luca. Okay. Uh, <laughs> tough for me. Uh, I got two picks. I'm gonna go Katie, and I'm gonna go. Oh God. 
Hmm. I'm going to go Embiid. Wow. Uh, I will take one half of the now greatest guard tandem ever. I'll go Curry. Hmm. Uh, that was gonna be my pick. Um, you know, let's go. Let's go full Euro. Let's go Jokic. That is a that's an absolutely disgusting combo right there. That's an interesting front court. Yeah. So okay. So I I pick again. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I I feel like I need a guard. I'm thinking. Don't do it. I'm going to go Chris Paul. Oh. I'll take Tatum. Who you got, Austin? Jason Tatum. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear you. You're good. Damn it. All right. Well, uh, this is easy for me, actually. I'm going to go Ice Tray. Easy. And I'm going to go LeBron James because he's LeBron. Like, how did LeBron James go to the fourth round? Yeah. Uh, uh, me, I'm up. Uh, Siakam. Ryan, I know who um, I'm up with. I'm just going to go Booker. Uh, you get... Damn, Booker and the first team All-NBA lasting pretty far. Yeah. No, I mean... Oh, so I do I pick again? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> um... Okay, I think I I think I'm just gonna go with the team fit thing here. I'm gonna go to Rosen. Ooh! Wow! <laughs> All right, Austin. Uh, I'll take Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, let's go! Thank God, Austin. Although, right. although, although I could go, I could go. No, I uh, took Ja. I got Ja. As you said, I could change my you mind. Messed up. You Go. messed up there. You, I could have been stuck with Embiid and Towns. I forgot. <laughs> I could have put Doncic. Bad, but like, I didn't imagine the that. complaining from that team. <laughs> I, I could have put Doncic at the four and had Curry, Curry. Oh, free! No, Tatum would play the four. Oh my god. No, I'm taking it back. I want Dodgers. I want Morant. You're going to have Tom's. No, nah, it's too late. I already um, picked. You know, no. there's no trades in this. All right, so real quick, everyone, we're just going to read out our teams. I'll go first, and then we're going to move on to our next segment. So my team ended up being Trey Young, John Morant, uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Joel Embiid. So good luck beating that. Uh, I have Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, and Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, I have uh, Chris Ball, Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis, and Jokic. I'm going to be honest, your team sucks. I don't think so. You Uh, just got the Suns with DeMar DeRozan and a good friend. Yeah, they just have the best record in the NBA. And I have the MVP this year and then the MVP and the finals MVP from last year. Let's just see. I just have the greatest player of all time. And the greatest Cameroonian player of all time. Sorry, Austin. Uh, the greatest point guard of all time in the future. The greatest scorer of all time. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's very subjective, but I think we're just going to move on. We'll, we'll let social media determine who had the best team. I yes. Agree. All right. Um, it is time for stat or cap. Um, I am this week's stat master. 
Um, I have five starter cap questions and five sports trivia questions that are like a fill in the blank or like a multiple choice um, format. So let's start with the starter cap questions. And I'm going to keep it in the NBA uh, for the first question. Steph Curry has four turnovers per game against the Celtics. This is the highest mark against any other team in his career. Statter cap. Stat. Cap. It is stat. Wow. Let's go. All right. Um, we're going to go to a little NHL history for this question. Well, before hold on, before you do, oh, sorry. do you know the story with Steph Curry's mom and his turnovers? I don't. It's like a story that like he has to pay his mom for like every game that he has over a certain amount of turnovers. So she's clearly made a he's lot of money off him when he plays the Celtics. Yeah, I, I bet he's dreading this. <laughs> he, <laughs> Steph sure Curry. He's, fine. I, I, he's probably got a lot of money. Well, <laughs> it's good for his mom, though. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go a little NHL uh, history. The Colorado Avalanche have won two Stanley Cups. The most recent one was in 2003. Statter cap. God, I didn't know I know hockey. <laughs> this should be a layup. For like, me. like 02, 03, or 03, 04? 02, 03. I was about to say, it better be 02, 03. Yeah, I know. I'm not stupid. Uh, I'll stat that. Okay, I'll stat it. If Austin's statting it. It is cap. Damn oh, it. it was in 2001. Oh, bummer. All right, let's go back to the uh, finals. This is the third time the Celtics and Warriors have met in the finals. Statter cap. Ooh. Does this... Now, I'm going to get really fishy on you. Does this count in Philadelphia Warriors or not? In the Celtics and Warriors franchise history. Cap. Stat. It is cap. It is the second time they have met. The first time was in 1964. Yeah, with the Philadelphia Warriors. <laughs> I told you, they lost that series, though, to the Celtics because that's part of Russell's 11. Yes. So, All right, so I got to – this is uh, to baseball. Um, I got to read you all a little definition. Okay. <gasps> okay. A Maddox describes a start in which a pitcher tosses a complete game shutout on fewer than 100 pitches. This is named after Hall of Famer Greg Maddox – who did it 13 times in his career. None have been thrown this far this season, but five were thrown last year. Stat or cap? Stat. Oh, God. Stat. It is stat. Ooh. I was really trying to think if one had happened this year or not. I knew the five last year. I was trying to think about this year, though. Yes. Um, all right, let's go to a little uh, soccer. Uh, 
Ballon d'Or favorite and Real Madrid superstar Karim Benzema scored 15 Champions League goals. This is 20. This is 23. This is more than 23 other teams who qualified for the competition this season. Statter cap. Uh, that's stat. I'm cap. It is stat. If you get knocked down the group stage, you're not going to score a lot of goals. It was stat? It was stat. Yeah, Benzema was a beast this year. 15 goals in Champions League is a lot. Yes. Um, We're going to go into some general kind of trivia here. Um, This is probably my favorite question I came up with, and it is back to baseball. (laughs) How many pounds did Bartolo Colon weigh when he played? The closest answer wins. <laughs> uh, Fever answer, and we'll say it on three. Okay. So that way we don't prices right each other. All right, I got it. I have mine. Ready? One, two, three. 340. Oh. Ryan, what was that answer? What? What was that answer? 340 pounds. Um, and I'm gonna, I think that goes to Austin. He weighed 285 pounds when he played. Oh, it was off by 20. I said 265. Yeah, you're going a little light there. He was lying. Hey. Yeah, okay. this, this might be catering to Austin. Hmm. I don't care. I think it's still kind of a difficult question. Okay, the Tampa Bay Lightning won their first NHL Stanley Cup in two thousand four. Who was the team they beat? Oh God! Oh no! I know the Avalanche must have been good back then because they were winning a cup. The Ducks. Were they around back then? Yeah. All right, the Ducks. Oh. I'm going to go with Calgary. You would be correct, Austin. Damn. Good. That was good. That was good. I knew I, I knew it was a red and orange team. So when you said the Dykes, <laughs> I went, crap. Is it the Dykes? But I was just going to say. That was a good guess, though. I was, when I was, like, looking through, like, the Stanley Cup history, I think they were, they, like, lost in the finals, like, two years in a row, like, either before that or after that. So, I thought they were good back then. I also yeah. wasn't sure if they were a team back then. <laughs> <laughs> I think they won the Cup in 2007. Okay. Um. All right, back to baseball. Sorry, I have a lot of baseball questions. Um, Jesus Sanchez of the Miami Marlins hit a home run this past week that was tied for third as the longest home run at 496 feet measured since the StatCast era began in 2015. Name... One of the other four players that are either tied or farther than that home run. Jennifer Bonus Stanton. point if you can name two. Stanton is one. Yeah, Stanton is definitely one. That's one of them. Do you want to guess another? Oh, I, I saw this graphic. Oh. Um, 
Does it so count if the ball hasn't landed, Jorge Soler? <laughs> it's not Jorge Soler. Um, Should we say we each get two guesses and then that's it? So we're not just sitting here guessing players. Yeah, so Austin, you get two more. Ryan, you get one more. Cause so there's said- count. Okay, well then fine. Wait, okay. Um, God, I know this is definitely someone I could, should think of. Who hits deep home runs? Oh. I will say... uh, I want Bryce Harper and I want Crone. I was thinking Rockies, but I'm going to go Judge and... I swear, if it's Nolan Arenado... Ryan got one of them. It is Aaron Judge. Oh, I knew it. I was just talking between Judge. The other, the other three were Miguel Sano, who had five hundred ninety-six feet. Um, Aaron Judge. Wait, wait, wait. What? Sorry, four ninety-six. Four ninety-six. Those are the ones that tied it, and then Aaron Judge also tied it at four ninety-six. Um, and John Carlos Stanton, when he was still in the Marlins, he hit one that was five hundred four. And then Nomar Mazara of the Rangers hit one that was 505 feet. Damn. It's the longest home run. It's Damn. a long ball. All right. Um, we're going to get into a little video games. The Madden NFL video game announced that John Madden would return to the cover for this year's edition. For the past 23 years, an NFL player has graced the cover. Which of these teams, which I'll list, has been represented twice? Oh, I like that. A, the Minnesota Vikings, B, the Seattle Seahawks, C, the New York Giants, and D, the Green Bay Packers. I know it. I know it. No, it's Seattle Seahawks. It's Sean Alexander in 2007, and then uh, it should be Sherman in 2015. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> All right. Moss and, and Peterson might have been on there. I don't think Peterson. No, Peterson was. Peterson was 25. I know Peterson Moss was wasn't. Moss wasn't, though. Is that the right. questions? We have one more. Oh, no, I have one more. This is an MLB question. Shocker. <laughs> I think Austin is enjoying himself here. (laughs) There are two active players with three immaculate innings. And an immaculate inning is when a pitcher strikes out all three batters he faces in one inning using the minimum possible number of pitches, which is nine. So it's three strikeouts, nine pitches. The first one is Max Scherzer. Who is the other? Is it A, Garrett Cole, B, Justin Verlander, C, Chris Sale, or D, Clayton Kershaw? Is it this season? No, it's just active players. Oh. Wait, active players who what? In their career have, an, have three immaculate innings. Chris Sale. Chris Sale. It's Chris Sale. Yeah, yeah I knew that one. All right. That's why I asked to be sure about this year. Those were good. I love those. Those are good questions. 
Thank you. Um, I need to add this up. Um, uh, We can add it up later, too. I uh, counted that I got five right, three wrong. Um, be right in the starter cap. And then... Two trivia plus the bonus for Judge. Yeah, so six points. Two, one, two, three, four, five, six. It was tied. Hey, I'll take my all-time my all-time leaderboard is looking good right now. It is. It is. I'll be honest, mine is not. Super <laughs> nice week. You'll get, to go, you'll get to go next week again. Get some more points. I'll make it so hard on you though. <laughs> It'll be only baseball. All, All right. right. Moving on to quick cues, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Um, so let's jump right in. Uh, is Jimmy Butler a top 15 player? We yes. go Ryan, Ryan Hernan, Ryan Hain, myself. Okay. Uh, this one was like maybe the toughest, but yes, he's earned it at this point. Yes, but he's like not top 10. He's like 12 uh, to 15. Yeah, I would say, I would actually say no. Okay. Dream is not wow. top 15 player. Give me your top Ooh. 15 right now. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I, I might post him on Twitter uh, on Monday after this. Okay. okay. Uh, 2022 NBA Finals MVP. Uh, tempted to say Grant Williams. But I'm gonna say Jason Tatum. I'm gonna go Curry. I have Curry as well. Uh, one MLB player you'd like to see get traded? Okay, you asked for one. I'm gonna give you four. Great. Uh, <laughs> I hope that you had one of these, Ryan, like you did me with the MLB uh, team, the cities. Uh, Luis Castillo, uh, Trey Mancini, get him out of Baltimore. My friend asked for more Red Sox content, so I'm going to give him some Red Sox content. Uh, Xander Bogarts, I'd like to see him get traded. Get rid of him. <laughs> and then my number one is Juan Soto. I hope he gets traded. <laughs> for him and for the Braves. Yeah. Okay. Um, mine I don't think will happen, but I wish that Jazz Chisholm would get traded from the Marlins. I agree. It, he's such a good player, and he's so fun, and the Marlins are just so depressing. You know who else I want to see get traded from the Marlins, Ryan? Is Garrett Cooper. That dude. Or Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> All right. Yes. Austin? Mine, mine is David Bednar, uh, Pirates closer. He's too good to be stuck on the Pirates and then never get save opportunities. That is the classic uh, yeah, Pirates okay. career arc, is to be too good for the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> um, A side note, he, looks, he just looks – like Liam Hendricks light. Like just look at them, <laughs> look at their body dimensions. They're just kind of short, like five ten and just like chunky. Not uh, chunky, but thick. Yeah. Should Barry anyway, Bonds. that was completely irrelevant. You're good. Should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. 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 Who are you taking with the first overall pick in fantasy football? Jonathan Taylor. That's my guy. Dynasty or regular, Jonathan Taylor. I think I'd probably go Jonathan Taylor too. I think it's just the value at running back is. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is a bad pick. However, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. Oh, so you want a guy who's going to play four games for you tops? <laughs> That'd be good fine. for you, Austin. I want to play fantasy. But in those four games, it's going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, 27 points a game for four games. It's fantastic. Great. Hey, I'm. We can talk about that one later. 
Will an American sports league ever have a team in Europe? No. But maybe, maybe the NFL will one day have a team in Mexico. But that's so unlikely, but it's more likely than Europe. Yeah, I think no. It's just too much of a logistical nightmare. Yep. I think you're more likely to see an NFL team move or an MLB team move to Mexico than you are an NFL team. But I think Mexico comes before Europe. Um, Out of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic, uh, who is the best and are any of them the best of all time? Uh, I'll say my favorite of those by far is Federer. I'm a big Federer fan. But to be objective, I'm going to say Djokovic. Like, Federer has the better career right now, but Djokovic is definitely going to surpass him. And I think he's like, is the better player and will end up being the greatest player of all time when his career is done. I completely agree. But I like watching Nadal at like the most out of all of them. When he's on the clay, like, you can't beat it. I think I think this is the first time in this show's short brief history that we've ever had a quick cue where we've all given three different answers. Mm-hmm. Mine's Roger Federer. I think is I think his career is going to be looked at less than Djokovic because of Nadal, in that they both played at the same time, and so Roger dominated the grass and Djokovic or Nadal dominated the clay. And then Djokovic caught them both at like sort of the back ends of their careers, and I think that gives him a boost. But I don't even like Djokovic has just been. It just seems like he just wins everything. Like yeah. recently, like it's ridiculous. I'm not a fan of his, but I was really hoping he could have done the the calendar Grand Slam plus the Olympics. That would have been cool to see. But unfortunately, it did yeah. not happen. But he was close. There's potential for it. Uh, all right. Well, that was some very quick, quick questions. So now we're going to go to one big thing where we're each going to highlight a story from the week. Um, I'll just go first here. Mine is, if you've heard of this, like, I don't know what to say. It's, I don't even know how to like get started talking about this. But basically, San Francisco Giants player Jock Peterson, uh, they were doing. They were playing the Cincinnati Reds. It was batting practice before the game, and he got slapped in the face by Tommy Pham, who plays for the Reds. Like it was described, I saw it as like a Will Smith slap, and that's exactly what it was. Like, there's it was, a video. There's, there's a video, video if you want to see. It was a clean slap. Description. This is a note to our editor, who is myself. <laughs> Put that video in the description. <laughs> so like. Getting like uh, one MLB player slapping another one in batting practice is enough for me to talk about it. But the story behind it is even crazier because originally what came out was that they're both in a fantasy football league together. And Tommy Pham was upset at Jock Peterson for stashing a player on IR. And so like, that's crazy to slap a man over fantasy football and Tommy Pham, like an MLB player. So there's a lot also of just like, not that shady. Like well, if anyone off. did that, like, like who cares? I'll get I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But like, this like so it's, like Tommy Pham said like don't mess with my money. Like get over yourself. Like why are you in this league? Don't put up the big money if you're like like I don't know. And then also it came out that Tommy Pham was upset because they're in a group chat and Jock Peterson sends a meme that was uh, Tommy Pham played for the Padres. He sent a meme that was like uh, knocking the Padres, but it was like funny. And Tommy Pham was, like, hurt about it. And Jock even apologized. He was like, sorry, just a joke. And Tommy Pham was like, you don't know me enough to make that joke, bro. 
And it just like Tommy Fan must have the thinnest skin of anyone ever. Like, and then to get to your point, Ryan, like putting players on IR, even if they're not on IR, that's your league's fault for having it in the rules that you can put a hurt player on IR. And if it's in the rules, it's allowed. So, and also, you know whose fault that is? I'm my trump. Yeah, that's Mike Trout's fault. He was the commissioner. <laughs> hey, look, don't come out, like it's being commissioner of a league is a hard job. It's a hard job. Yeah, commissioners always get good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, just a crazy story. Just an absolutely crazy story to slap a grown man. Basically, I mean, they're at their place of work to slap a grown man at work because he sent a meme you didn't like and he plays and fancy. Also, can we? Can we add the video of Jock Peterson describing the events oh, in the description? Fantastic. Because that honestly was like the best part of the whole thing for me. Because he's, yeah, I don't know if you know what, jo- like y'all watching, like what Jock Peterson looks like, but he just looks like a giant baby. He's got a big baby face. He like kind of looks like, He's like giving like a policeman like description of the events that was happening, showing receipts on his phone, all while with like a bleached blonde mustache, wearing like a hat that was like going like straight up. Like it's ridiculous. It's so, it's so funny. funny. So funny. I, mine is yeah, okay. Yeah. That kind of relates. Well, it's, it's MLB and it's a social media thing. Um, I would just like to point out that this podcast is now on the record as an anti-Nick Adams podcast. Um, so if you don't know who Nick Adams is, don't look him up. He is horrible. He has horrible opinions on Twitter. Um, and he got owned on Twitter by Derek Jeter. Now, I'm not the biggest Derek Jeter fan. But when he joined Twitter, and we can put this in somewhere for people to see it. Um, he... Um, put a picture. Derek Jeter like quote tweeted a tweet from Nick Adams that was like, uh, "Derek Jeter's the most overrated baseball player of all time." Um, and Derek Jeter had a picture of him, si- like when he was playing, signing like some little kid's like jersey or something. He's just like, "This you," <laughs> and it was just it was so good, it's so good. Right, Austin, what do you got for Austin? Not- my one big thing also revolves around baseball, College World Series. If you missed it, go back and watch it. It's the Oklahoma State UCLA comeback, but also the just the game in general. Going into the bottom of the ninth, the score was a combined thirty-three runs. Oklahoma State was up twenty-one to twelve. At the end of the game, Oklahoma State lost, so UCLA came back. 22 to 25. So they gave up nine runs in the bottom of the ninth and then three in the tenth. There were 47 combined runs between the two teams, 53 hits, 79 base runners. So for anyone who says that baseball is not a high scoring game, this was basically the equivalent of like your Rams Chiefs from last year where nobody was playing defense and it was just a straight shootout. So that was nuts to have that happen. There was another game where like, I wasn't watching it, but just the Twitter aftermath was just incredible. Yeah. Just knew it was happening. That's the, I was just, that's the equivalent of Rams Chiefs from like 20, like 17 or 18 or whatever. It was like 50 something. 50 something. 
Ketchup uh, and mustard game. Yes. Ketchup yes. and mustard, baby. <laughs> Jared Goff game. Simpson Ibukam game. All right. Uh, now here for our last segment, just hear me out, which is where we give uh, uh, like a prediction uh, for the upcoming week. Maybe. Last week, we didn't really – some of us didn't really apply to those rules, me in particular. Who is uh, – I have another one, but I'm still sticking by my prediction that Tennessee will not win the College Baseball World Series even after their dominant season. Um, and let's take a little look back into some of our predictions. I just said mine, but uh, Austin, what was yours? Mine was that at the time of this recording, so Thursday, June 2nd, the Warriors and the Lightning would both have won two games in their respective series is. Um, And both teams have combined to play a whopping one game at this point. So that one failed miserably. Oh, and the one one game. (laughs) So we're not close. We're not moving towards it. It's just bad. So it's okay. Maybe by next recording, it'll happen. We'll see. Yeah, well. At least my prediction uh, actually uh, went to, like, the game happened, <laughs> but it didn't go very well for me. I had, like, a, tr- a three-fold one where I picked Liverpool to win and to dominate and for Mo Salah to not score. Mm-hmm. So Liverpool did not win. As I said at the top of the show, I could give myself the point for them dominating, and I feel like I could get away with that, but I'm not going to give myself the point because I don't think they dominated the way that I thought they would. And But I'll give myself – a third of a point because Salah didn't score. So, like, I got at least part of it right. Yeah. Mine for this week is that the Stanley Cup is currently in the conference finals and the NBA is in the finals. And I think that between those three series, we will be over 18 and a half games played by the total. Okay. I like that. So that. Could be seven, six, and six. Not gonna finish by next week, but yeah, fuck. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it may, and then I'll be wrong. We're gonna be in like week five of this show. And we're gonna be like, all right, we're looking back on Austin's week one and two picks here. <laughs> no, week one was wrong. Week two, week two is just a general statement to the world. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, um, mine for this week. I made sure that it was going to finish before the time we record the next you. one. Thank you. And so it kind of goes back to my finals prediction where I think the Warriors will win at seven. But I think by the time that we're recording this next time, uh, the three finals games will happen. I think it'll be 2-1 Celtics, and I have a further prediction. I think the narrative going into game four – will be that the series is over. The Celtics are stifling the Warriors. Like, like the defense is just too good. Clay's not back. Like, Warriors are too old. Blah, 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 blah. All these different things. But I think... I think that the Warriors will turn it around at that point and win the series. But my... So my prediction for this week is that it'll be 2-1... Narrative will be Warriors not going to win it, washed, blah, blah, blah. Then my further prediction is Warriors in seven. 
Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, mine for this week is that uh, UGA uh, will win their region and the NCAA baseball regional in advance of the College World Series. They're the two seed in the Chapel Hill regional. Uh, so obviously UNC is the one seed. They're playing VCU. UNC is playing Hofstra. Uh, UNC has been really hot, and Georgia has been pretty cold. But I'm gonna pick the pick my dogs to to rally, win that region, and make it back to the College World Series. Well, we'll see how those do. I hope that mine is right and yours are wrong. Restricted. Yeah, well, we won't know if yours is right until <laughs> I'm 25 years old. So <laughs> that's okay. Well. That will conclude this week's episode of After Hours. We thank you for joining. Thank you for tuning in. Um, if you want more content, more stuff, more interaction, follow us on Twitter at Analytics Past Twelve on Instagram at Afternoon Analytics on TikTok at Afternoon Underscore Analytics. I believe those might be flipped. They'll be on the outro. Don't worry. Um, they're all basically afternoon analytics, except Twitter is ana- uh, analytics past 12. Because Twitter has a character limit. And then, of course, you can always find our content on our website at afternoonanalytics.com. And we will see you all in the next episode next week. Bye. Boom. Done. I need all to right. stop this. Yes. <laughs>